Well, hey, Merry Christmas to you, Grace. It's great to see you this morning. Uh, if you're visiting us for the first time, I want to extend a warm, heartfelt welcome from uh, all of us to you. Thank you for trying us out for the very first time on Christmas Sunday. My name is Nathan, and I do hope you just sit back and relax and enjoy your Sunday morning. You do need to know that somewhere in this worship service, we're going to pass around an offering bag. But I don't want you to feel obligated to put any money in that offering bag if you're visiting us today for the first time. You are our guest, and so we hope you allow us to make you our guest. But we do do it in a worship service because uh, we consider giving to God financially. We consider that worship to God. You know, we figure that God's not asking for our money because <laughs> he owns everything. He owns it all. The stuff that we have, the money that we have, he gave to us. And so he doesn't need what we have. He gave us what we have. And so the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, giving to God financially has always been an act of worship, of giving your first and best back to God as an act of saying, it's all yours, God. You own it all. You are our God in, in all things. And so uh, it's an act of worship. You find yourself in a worship service today. And so we are going to pass around that offering bag. If you come to our Wednesday night ministries, don't worry. We don't pass around an offering bag. <laughs> if you come to our men's breakfast, don't worry. We don't pass around an offering bag. If you come to a a uh, junior high summer camp, don't worry, we don't pass around an offering bag. But today's a worship service, so we will worship God in that way later on in a worship service. But hey, so if you're visiting us for the first time, just sit back, relax, enjoy Christmas Sunday. It is Christmas Sunday. Uh, next Saturday, this Saturday is Christmas, so you better start shopping <laughs> now. If you haven't started already, you better start now. This is kind of a weird year, you know, where in church, typically, the Sunday before Christmas is Christmas Sunday, and so that would be today. But next, the Saturday is Christmas, and so then the Sunday, next, so next weekend is almost like <laughs> Christmas weekend, and so which is it? Is it this Sunday, is this Christmas Sunday, or is next week Christmas Sunday? And the answer is yes, <laughs> both. Uh, you pick. If you have people coming to visit you this next weekend, if they're coming from out of town and they're staying at your house, sleeping on your floor, or they're staying in a motel nearby, uh, bring them with you to church next week. It'll be just as Christmassy as it is today. We'll sing Christmas songs next week just like we do this week. And so it's kind of like my, the title to my sermons in this series. So far the titles have been, is, is he, is he a servant or is he a king? Is Jesus a servant or is he a king? And the answer is, Yes, <laughs> both. Last week it, it was, well, is he, is he God or is he the son of God? And the answer is yes, <laughs> both. Is this Christmas Sunday or is next week Christmas Sunday? Yes, <laughs> both. <laughs> Whatever you want. Now, my goal here today is not to ruin Christmas for you, but, but did you know that the Bible never tells Christians to celebrate Christmas. The, the Bible never tells us to, uh, to celebrate Jesus' birth. Imagine all of the things that are, that are, I guess, worthy of celebrating about Jesus. His pre-existence, his creation of the world, uh, his birth, his childhood, his miracles, his prayer on Mount Olive, his, uh, his sufferings, his difficulties, uh, his leadership, uh, his message, uh, his uh, trials, his crucifixion, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, like all the things that are all certainly celebratory, I suppose, about Jesus, there's only one that Christians are told to celebrate, to remember, and that is 
the crucifixion, one part of our, our communion service. And so for the writers of the Gospels, you know, where the message of where Jesus' life is, where we see his birth and his life and his death, for the, the, the writers of the Gospels, the birth of Jesus really is not that big a deal. <laughs> it just isn't. It doesn't take up a whole lot of time, and it doesn't take a, a, whole, lot of, a whole lot of uh, words to communicate it. It's only in a few books of the New Testament. It's in Matthew. It's in Luke. Uh, nothing in Mark. It, one verse <laughs> in John. And so a couple weeks ago, we looked at the Matthew passage. Last week, we looked at the one verse of Jesus' birth in John, and so today, would you mind turning in your Bibles to the book of Luke, the only other book that really talks about Jesus' birth, and it's not even an entire chapter. Um, It's not even really half a chapter, Um, but we will look at Jesus' birth today, and there's a reason for that. Why is it that Jesus' birth is not that big a deal? I mean, we've turned it into a really big deal, and that's fine to do, But why is it not that big of a deal to the writers in the Gospels? Well, that's because people who are born again, people who've put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, people who consider themselves believers, uh, believing in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and and his salvation for them, for, for people who are followers of Jesus, it's not his birth that's the priority, really it's the Gospel That's the focus. It's the gospel that's the priority. Throughout the New Testament, all over the New Testament, it talks about the gospel. And there's the Greek word for the gospel is euangelion. Euangelion. I'm going to say it. I want you to say it because then once you say euangelion, you can tell everybody that you speak Greek. Okay? That's the Greek word for the gospel. Okay? So here it is one more time. Euangelion. So I want you to say it with me. Here we go. Euangelion. Well, look at that. You are all Greek speakers. It's all, it's all Greek to me. And so that, that word euangelion, that prefix you means good. That you is good. And then the rest of the word angelion, that's where we get the word angel to, to announce. Euangelion, good announcement. Good tidings, uh, announcing good news, evangelizing the good news. That is the gospel, and that is what is core to the New Testament and core to people who put their faith and trust in Jesus. What is the gospel? Where the simplest, clearest definition of the gospel is in 1 Corinthians 15, where it just says, this is the gospel. And so, I want to show it to you here. It says, now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you. And here it is, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That is the gospel, that Jesus was, was, that he died on the cross, he was buried in the tomb, and that he was raised on Easter Sunday. Notice what's not there. Anything about Jesus' birth. (laughs) Jesus' birth is not a part of the gospel at all. So other than this theological significance of God becoming a human being, the apostles and the writers of the New Testament really just didn't consider Jesus' birth that big a deal. None of the apostles celebrated Christmas. If you wouldn't found like Paul, 
the Apostle Paul, if you wouldn't found him like an 80-50, and he's, I don't know, somewhere in, at the mall in Thessalonica, an 80-50, and you tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, what are you going to get your mom for Christmas? Paul would have said, what are you talking about? No, 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 you know, like, uh, you know, what's on your Amazon wish list for Christmas? Like, what do you want for Christmas? And Paul would say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Christmas was not celebrated by the apostles. It wasn't a part of the, of the New Testament at all. Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. <laughs> Hate to break it. Well, I guess it's, we have one in 365 chance that he was born on December 25th. But Christmas was just not a thing, and it was not celebrated for hundreds of years, until hundreds of years after Jesus had been born, he had died, he had sent it back into heaven. It was hundreds of years later that Christmas started to be celebrated as associated with, with Jesus Christ. And yet, interestingly, all of those Christians all along the way had joy. They, they were still joyful. Like, how can you be joyful without the presence, you know? <laughs> how can you be joyful without the lights? How can you be joyful without the tree? How can you be joyful without all the relatives coming over? How can you be joyful without all the Christmas movies? Santa Claus, Santa Claus 2, Santa Claus 3, Santa Claus 4 and a half. I don't know how many Santa Claus movies Tim Allen can come out with, but, you know, like, how can you be joyful without any of those things? But they were I don't intend to, to ruin Christmas for you. I intend today to make it more meaningful, more purposeful, more powerful, more life-changing. And so, yeah, we're in this series that is about Jesus. And since this, next Saturday, it, we are celebrating the birth of Jesus, it's only fitting that we would be studying our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet, the story of Christmas sometimes unintentionally um, brings some confusion about who Jesus is. That there are some common misconceptions about who Jesus is because of the Christmas story. And so the question for today is, is he born or has he always existed? Is he born or has he always existed? And so we're going to look at the Bible, and we're going to allow the Bible to answer that question for us, because it, those two seem like opposites. <laughs> Either he just showed up, or he's always been there. It, it seems like you have to pick one or the other. Well, let's look what the Bible says. You turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke. So let's read the events of Jesus' birth from the account of Luke. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It says, now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. And this was the first census taken while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was in the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. So what we're reading here is real history. This is, this is not like some story that was made up to put in a kid's book so that there's something fun to do during the winter season on Christmas break. This is a true event in history. These are real people. This is a real time in human history. These are real places in human history. 
As a matter of fact, the census and the people and the governors that are, 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 that are addressed here are a part of secular human history. Uh, secular writers, secular historians write about this event uh, to send everybody back to their own hometown so that they could do a census. <laughs> just, it was just another way to tax people, okay? Like, that's all it was. But, but this was documented in human history. Let's keep reading, though. Uh, verse 6, And while they were there, that was Mary and Joseph, the days were completed for Mary to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in wrapping paper and laid him in a manger because there was no, wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. They were freaked out. They were scared. I imagine you're driving home from Orange County late night and, uh, and the freeway isn't busy and you just see this, this uh, alien craft start to hover over the 91 freeway and you start to slow down and it, and it, and it lowers itself. This beam of light comes down and it lowers more and lowers more and an alien gets out of the ship and now you're stopped on the 91 freeway. Everyone's wondering, why is there traffic so late at night on the 91? It's because of 91, that's why. And so the, the, the alien that gets out of the, of the craft, walks up to your window, taps on your window, deet, 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 and they say, take me to your leader. And you're freaked out, wouldn't you? You're like, oh no, don't take him to me. Take him to another leader, don't take him to me. Take him to somewhere else, don't take him to me. So they were scared about what had come out of the sky. This wasn't a normal occurrence. They hadn't seen this on a, on a daily before. And so they're experiencing this brand new thing of these angels that are coming out of the sky. And so verse 10 and 11 are really the, the central uh, verse, the central verses of this entire passage, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. It's just going to be for all the people. So this is the core message of this passage. You better pay attention because there's, there's something that is so good. There's something that is, that is going to bring so much joy for everyone, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background is, no matter what you've done, no matter, no matter the, the life you've messed up in the past, no matter the, the other people's lives and, 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 and difficulties that are splashing on you, no matter what is going on in your life, this is good news for you, which will bring great joy. Verse 11, for today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. These angels come out of the sky and they are looking at the shepherds and they are saying there is born for you. I mean, like pointing at it, born for you and 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 even and even you. There's born for you a savior. This is the central part of the Christmas story right here. And so then, and then it, it tells them what to look for. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws lying in a manger. 
And then we get to verse 13 and 14. Verse 13 and 14 probably is the most controversial verse of this entire passage. You're like, how could there be controversy (laughs) in the Christmas story? Well, and suddenly, verse 13, there appeared with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Notice the first thing that has happened, happening once this good news that brings great joy to everyone, notice the very first thing that happens. Even, even more angels show up and there is this enormous celebration. Now, my assumption is that they're singing here, that there is, that there is music happening out of their mouths at least, that there is a musical aspect to this. Most theologians say that there is singing that is happening here. Most Christmas movies, come on, say that there is singing here. However, notice what it says here. It says, the multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Here's the controversy. Were they saying or were they singing? That's the controversy. Now, a couple years ago, I had mentioned that they were singing right here. And one of you, I don't know who it was, it was anonymous, tore off your, the little thing on the bulletin and very nicely said they weren't singing, they were saying. And I agree. They were saying these words, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. However, Whenever we see worship in the, in the Bible, there's always music attached to it. So I suspect that there was probably more happening than just them saying the, this one sentence and then leaving. It gives the impression that there's an enormous celebration that is happening here. And what is happening, whether they are singing or whether they are saying it, what is the celebration about? There is this good news. There is this good news that brings joy no matter who you are, no matter where your background is. The the shepherds were a despised, despicable group of people in this culture. And the angels come out of heaven and said, for you, there is born a Savior. And so the shepherds are like, I'm in. And they just left their sheep right there and they went. And so if you were looking for a a new pet and you wanted a sheep for free, this was your chance. If you wanted some lamb chops on your barbecue, (laughs) this was your chance to go get some free meat before the shepherds came back to to their sheep. And what was this celebration? What was this worship? What was this saying or singing, whatever you want it to be? What was it about? It was about this good news. You know what word that is? Euangelion. That is that word that you've already said, the word that you know. What's a, what, how is that word sometimes translated? The gospel. That's sometimes translated the gospel. You, good, announcement. The good announcement the good tidings, the announcing of good news, the evangelizing of of good news. And what is the good news? That there is a Savior. That there is someone come to save us from our sins. Someone to come rescue us (laughs) from ourselves. Someone to come rescue uh, humans because of the condition that they find themselves in. That is the good news. And sometimes though when we celebrate Christmas, we don't think about the real reason that he came. 
the real reason that Jesus came is because I have sinned. <laughs> the reason that, that God came to earth as a human being is because of humans' sinfulness. You know, when you say something you shouldn't say or do something you shouldn't do or think something you shouldn't think? Yeah, like that. The Bible says that that separates people from God, that, that sin, the wages of sin is death, the Bible says, that in eternity you pay for your sin, eternity in hell. The wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God in a place called hell. And so Jesus comes as a savior, as someone to enter into this place where I need someone outside of myself to come and rescue me from a situation that I can't get myself out of. And so the reason that Jesus came, the reason that he was born, was not to make us feel good about ourselves. Really, the reason that Jesus came was to make us feel bad about ourselves, to realize our own sinfulness, to realize that we can't do it on our own, to turn to, to, to a Savior, someone outside of ourselves that can save us, rescue us, pay for our Sin. So it really was our sinfulness that made God go from God, the second person of the Trinity, to human flesh. And so according to this passage that we have read, was Jesus born? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. The angels announce it, that Jesus is born. Remember, our question is, is he born or has he always existed? And so we could say, yes. Yes, he was born. Now, the Bible also tells us, though, some interesting other things about Jesus. It, it, it tells us that he existed before he was seen by his mom and dad and the, and the shepherds. In the book of John, chapter 8, this is what Jesus says about his existence. Jesus says, truly I say to you, before Adam was born, I am. And so, like Adam was a big, or, or Abraham was a big deal. Abraham was a big deal. Uh, every single Jew knew Abraham. They knew his stats. They knew when he was born. They knew when he, would, when he died. They knew everything about Abraham. And Jesus says, before your main man, Abraham, we're talking all the way back to the book of Genesis. That's the very first book in your Bible. Way back there, Jesus says, before Abraham, I existed. But that's not it. In Hebrews chapter 1, it goes even further than that. In Hebrews 1 verse 2, it says, in these last days, God has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the world. God made the world through who? Jesus. Okay, so not only did Jesus exist before Abraham, Jesus existed at creation, the creation of the world. And not only that, the Bible even goes back further. Now, last week, we already read this verse. Last week, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you remember from last week, the, who is the Word? The Word is Jesus. So in the beginning was Jesus. And so that means that Jesus was even there before 
creation started. You know, there are some uh, segments of religiosity that say uh, that God created Jesus as a part of the creation week. Well, according to this verse, that can't be because Jesus was already there before the creation week even started. And so Jesus existed before Abraham. He existed at creation. Jesus even existed before creation. He was pre-existent. Part of the nature of the Trinity is that they never have a beginning or an end. And how do we know that Jesus is a part of the Trinity? Well, in Genesis 1, at the account of creation, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, this is the creation of humans. goes through the, the, the first five days of creating the light and dark and, and the oceans and all the sea life and the bird life and, and plant life. And then finally we get to day six where God creates humans. And this is what God says. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And so who is the us and the our? There is nobody else. <laughs> Humans haven't been created yet. So who is the us? This is the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Son being Jesus Christ. And so so God, the Father in heaven, through Jesus Christ creates the entire world, and then Jesus submits to God the Father at a point in time in in human existence where he comes out of heaven and he comes to to humanness. That is this pre-existent God that still comes and is born. And so the question is, is Jesus born or has he always existed? And the answer is, yes, yes. Yes, I know those two things seem like opposites. But when an eternal God in the past, meaning pre-existent, now that's something that only the the Trinity can understand. You can't understand that. You weren't like that. The the Trinity also will live eternity in the future. You can't understand that. Your soul will live eternity into the future, but you have not lived eternity in the past. You had a beginning But Jesus did not have a beginning, and yet he came out of heaven and was born 100% human and 100% God, which makes 200%, and that's why it's hard for people to understand, a 200% person. And so was he born? Yes. Has he always existed? Yes. He's... pre-existent, eternal in, in the past. Now, why then was he born? Why, why be born? For the euangelion, for the good news. And here's the good news that was prophesied long before it even happened. This is Old Testament prophecy about the reason for Jesus's birth. Why would he be born? Isaiah 53 But he was pierced through for our transgressions. It's not talking about Christmas. It's talking about Good Friday. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Haven't, didn't you turn to your own way? Haven't you been doing it your own way? 
Maybe now you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but before you did that, you were doing it your own way. All of us are like that. Every single human being is like that. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. That was the purpose of Jesus' coming. This is the good news that the perfect God in heaven comes and he is born. He lives a perfect life, 100% man, human, and 100% God. And so he never disobeyed his mom when he was like three. <laughs> he, he, never, he never cheated on a test when he was in elementary school. He, he never thought anything bad in his mind uh, when he, all the hormones were pumping through him in his teenage years. He never sinned once. And so that when in his 30s he is on the cross, he has never sinned at all. He is perfect. He is God in the flesh on the cross. And so that's why I can say, for the Lord has caused the iniquity of us, meaning my sin, to fall on him. When Jesus is dying on the cross, God's judgment for my sin is being poured out on, on this sacrifice, on, on someone other than me. That's good news. That's the euangelion. That's the good news, that I don't have to pay for my sin, eternity, and hell. I can put my trust in a Savior that washes away all those sins. That is the euangelion. That is the message of Christmas. It's not the, the, the sappy, hallmark, movie, Christmas cheer kind of stuff. It's way better than that. It's way bigger than that. And so you can see why the apostles weren't, weren't really interested in Jesus' birth, why it wasn't really that big a deal. It's something much bigger, the euangelion, the reason for him coming. Well, so should Christians celebrate Christmas? Well, sure. It's fine. I am. We are. Here we are, and we're doing it here, just as long as the joy that the angels are talking about comes from the right place. You know, there's this... Um, when you, when you receive a gift, there's a serotonin hit that hits you in your brain. Serotonin is a chemical in your body, in your brain, that kind of gives you a euphoric feeling, gives you a, a good, settled, warm feeling, serotonin. And so there's this serotonin hit that you get when you receive a gift. There's a serotonin hit that you get when you give a gift. And so that's why this last week you're going to go out and you're going to go last minute doing all your shopping and Amazon. Why isn't that coming done tomorrow? Why can't they deliver it to me like in the next five minutes? That's why you're doing that is because you, we enjoy that, that serotonin hit of the gift and the give. And that serotonin hit lasts about one minute. <laughs> and then you want it again. And then you want it again. But remember what the angel said. The angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Is that the kind of, <laughs> is that the kind of, of joy that the angel was talking about? Little one-minute hits of serotonin? Is that what he was talking about? Just these good feelings for the short amount of time? I'm sure every, every one of us in here, there are things that are kind of swirling on as kind of stressful things in our life. Things that are difficult or things that are worrisome or things that are problems. And that's why we like the Christmas so much because the Christmas and the Christmas cheer kind of just <laughs> covers it up for a little bit, you know? That the, 
the celebrations and the the fun of it all kind of puts the difficulties and the worries, it just kind of puts them in the background for a little bit, you know? And so the songs that we sing and when we put out the decorations and we watch the sappy Hallmark movies and, and we have family come over and we eat really unhealthy food, all of those things that just the Christmas cheer is just so enjoyable because it hides all the difficulties for just a little bit. But as soon as Christmas is over and the lights come off the house and the, the dead tree gets taken out to your driveway, or in my case, the fake tree gets taken and put in Tanya's closet, <laughs> um, when, when all the things are all unwrapped and the empty boxes are in the trash can, your trash can is filled with uh, ripped up Christmas paper, and all the relatives are gone and all the food is eaten, all of those worries and those stresses and those problems come back. And that's why we can't wait for Christmas next time because we want to cover it all up again for just one month. But is that the kind of joy that the angel was talking about? Just these short little shots of serotonin just for the immediacy of the moment. Is that the kind of joy that those shepherds experienced. And of course, those of you who've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you know, no, that's not the kind of joy that, that comes with this good news. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, the one that has rescued you from your sin, you have a different kind of joy there's a, the joy comes because Jesus has always existed. He is God infinite in the past and in the future. And yet he was born so that you don't have to pay for the sins that you've already committed and the ones that you are going to still commit. And you have a Savior that is constantly washing your sins away. And that is why a Christian can have joy even when things are difficult. Maybe you look around at other people and like, how come they don't have any problems? <laughs> they have problems. It's just that they have a different perspective. Hey, you know what? I got problems, but eternity isn't one of them. Yeah, I got problems, but, but my sin has been addressed by the Savior. Yeah, I got problems, but there is a Savior in heaven that died on the cross for me. And that changes the perspective and that changes the way that a person lives their life. And so as you look at other Christians and you, or you look at other people and you see that they have joy even in the difficulty, that is the kind of, that's not a serotonin hit. That is something that comes deep from within because an eternal God was born and then he died for you and he died for me. Now, maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, and I'm going to give you the opportunity. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard the euangelion. This is the first time you've ever heard the good announcement, uh, the good news, the, the announcement of something good. Well, this is good for you. And I, I would hope that you would put your faith and trust in Jesus, like three-quarters of the people in this room, and that you could experience the joy, not just the short serotonin hit of the, of the next week but you could experience joy even in the difficult times. So I'm gonna ask all of you, whether you know you're a Christian or not, would you be willing to bow your heads and close your eyes? We're gonna pray today. 
And so we're going to give you the opportunity to consider these things before God. And if you've never um, put your faith and trust in Jesus, today would be the day. Today's a great day. Christmas, Sunday, this would be a great day. And so we're going to talk to God. Maybe you've never done that before, or maybe you've already, you've already talked to God about this. You've already reconciled to God regarding this. But would you allow the person next to you to consider these things? Please don't be a distraction for the person next to you. You don't know their heart. If you'd like to put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior, change your mind about who He is, put your faith in Him, your trust in Him, and His death will wash away your sin, you just talk to God about this. There's nothing that you need to do. You don't need to walk forward. You don't need to say anything out loud. But in the quietness of your own heart, you just talk to Him. He, he knows what's on your mind. And this is what you could say to Him. You could say, Dear God, I know that I have sinned. I have done things I shouldn't have done. I've thought things I shouldn't have thought. I've said things I shouldn't have said. And I know that that separates me from you for eternity in a place called hell. And I need someone to save me from myself. I need someone from outside of me to rescue me. And I believe that Jesus is that rescuer. I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that he came to earth, was born of a virgin. I believe that he lived a perfect life because he was God and man. And I believe that Jesus did what, what we read today, that he died on the cross, that he became a savior, and I need him to be my savior. I put my faith in him as my savior. I put my trust in this Jesus as a savior from my sins. I put my eternity, my, my future, in, in his hands. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, the immediate promise is God the Holy Spirit now comes and lives inside of you. That third person of the Trinity, the third person of the pre-existent, all-eternal Godhead comes and lives inside of you, helping you, but he's also your comforter. That's how you could have joy even in difficult times. Well, God, we thank you for these things. We thank you for sending your son. That's why we do uh, celebrate your son's birth. We're thankful that you would send your son and that he would submit to your direction here and that he would be born so that we could have a savior. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name, amen.